0: You know our words matter, don't they? The things that we say, the things that we think, the even the things that we don't say, they matter sometimes even more than the things we do say. The Proverbs have so many things to say about words that are extremely powerful. And it's interesting today that the things that have been spoken about before we even I even got to the pulpit today uh, have been significant. I love the fact that uh, Pastor Rick brought up that uh, uh, time of when... The Israelites were marching around the walls of Jericho and they were told not to say a word, not to shout, not to do anything until the appointed time. I know this and I've learned this and the older I get the more I learn it is is that there's a specific time that's important for the things that we say and the things that we don't say. But I know this for a fact that our words matter. Our words are powerful. Our words have the power to to build a leader. Our words have the power uh, to build uh, an executive. Our words have the power to develop a ministry. Our words have the power as we speak into people's lives, the things of God, to make a difference in their destiny. Your words matter. And in the same way, That your words matter in speaking life into people, you know, we can speak words that tear down people as well. I don't think there's one of us here that couldn't say at some point in our lives that somebody has spoken something negative to us that has affected us in one way, shape or form. But today I want to talk to you about the power of our words and and what they mean and and how it is so important, especially in a time like we're living in right now, that we make sure that we are measuring what we're saying and we're saying what we do say with grace. And when we say what we say with grace, that we speak a word that encourages people in this season. This is a season that God has has tremendous things in store for you and I don't want to see the circumstances of our society bring you down to a position to where you think that your life is is at a stalemate. You think that that the only thing you can do is to be stagnant because that's not true. 2021 is going to be a great year of destiny, and for some of you, it's going to transform you for the rest of your life. How many of you would say, Pastor, I want 2021 to be the most amazing year that I've ever experienced in my entire life. If that's you, say amen. 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 I want this to be the year that you're the most prosperous that you've ever been. I want this to be the year that your family is closer than it has ever been before. I want this to be the year that you fall in love with your spouse at a level that you never thought could could happen in your life. This is an opportune year to do some amazing things for God. And today I want to talk to you about where that power comes from. That power comes from the tongue That power comes from the words that are inside of our heart. That power comes from uh, putting God in the midst of all of our circumstances. If you would, turn with me to James chapter 3... And um, I already know I have way too much for today. And so I'm going to try to give you the Reader's Digest version of what's in my heart. But I also am going to be giving you scriptures that you can hold fast to. If I don't read it, you write it down because it matters in this message. In uh, James chapter 3, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, do not many... uh, 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 not." Many of you should become teachers in the church. For we who teach will be judged more strictly. Why? Because words matter. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. Amen. Okay. that Let's just get that out right now. We all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues. Mm. I think... One survey I read said women need to speak 50,000 words a day and men need to speak somewhere around 15,000 words a day. So I cover at least three or four of you men in a day's time. My wife has always told me you speak as much as any three women put together. And so words matter. Words matter. Amen. And if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. Verse 3 says, we can make a large horse go wherever we want by a means of a small bit in its mouth. How many of you ever rode horses in your lifetime? Well, you know what? I'm scared to death of those things, man. I ain't got to lie to you. I mean, that big old thing, you got no control over it where you're sitting on that back and that thing will take off and just leave me standing. We can make, but you can take that large horse and direct where you want it to go just by the the bit that you put in its mouth. Isn't that amazing how that works? And verse 4 says, "...in a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go. And even even though the winds are strong in the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches." But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It's a whole world of wickedness corrupting the entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil and full of deadly poison. Isn't that amazing? The same tongue that just sang I raise a hallelujah can be the same tongue that destroys life. Sometimes sometimes it praises our God the Father and sometimes it curses those who've been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, and you cannot draw fresh water from a salty spring. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humanity that comes from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, do not cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly and unspiritual and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. And it brings peace-loving and gentle at all times and willing to yield to others. It's full of mercy and full of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and it is always sincere. Those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. The Bible makes a comparison in this text of James... It says, look at the ships also. They're so large. And even when they're driven by strong winds, it says that, uh, 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 well, let me go back to verse four. A small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go. And even though the winds are strong, in the same way, the tongue is a small thing's thing that makes grand speeches I'm gonna read uh, a scripture here and I could just end the message right here okay so I'm gonna just read Proverbs 21 23 and we could all go home after I read this all right Proverbs 21 23 says watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut and you will stay out of trouble Somebody look at your neighbor and say, I know he's speaking to you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Proverbs 21, 23. Watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut. And you will stay out of trouble. In other words, you know, there is so much power that's in the tongue. So much power that's in this small part of our body. Now, He talked about ships and and how they can be uh, driven in in different ways. Ships are big, and how many of you understand that in the greatest ships that are ever built, the rudders are small? And I want to give you an example of that. One of the biggest ships in the world is a U.S. aircraft carrier. It's the USS Eisenhower, my namesake, President Dwight Eisenhower. That's who I'm named after. So uh, in the USS Eisenhower, it weighs 91,000 tons. It's nearly 11 football fields long, 11 football fields in length. Uh, It has a nuclear-powered 280,000-horsepower engine, a complement of 6,100 men and women, and it carries nearly 100 aircraft in this vessel. It's vast. As a matter of fact, it's really a floating city. And yet all... That weight, that personnel, and that hardware is steered by a rudder that is, listen, a tenth of 1%, a tenth of 1% of the ship's size. So something uh, so comparatively small is able to maneuver something as vast as a ship that is 11 football fields long. The Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 18 verses 20 through 21, it says this, wise words satisfy like a good meal. The right words bring satisfaction. Think about that. Wise words satisfy like a good meal. Yesterday we took all the kids out for our anniversary celebration once a year that we take the kids out celebrating their anniversaries we went to a restaurant in canal winchester and the food was delicious it was amazing it was it was a good meal we talked about it after uh, tammy and i did on the way home wow what a great meal that was what a fantastic time that was because when you have good food and you have lots of people it brings a, a realm of satisfaction now And it goes on to say in verse 21, the tongue can bring death or life. And those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Now, in Deuteronomy, God gave this idea of life and death. And when he wrote these uh, words in Deuteronomy, in Deuteronomy chapter 30, it says this. It says, I command you, this is the choice of life or death. I command, this command I give you today is not too difficult for you and it is not beyond your reach. It is not kept in heaven so distant that you must ask, who will go up to heaven and bring it down so we can hear it and obey it? It is not kept beyond the sea so far away that you must ask who will cross the sea and bring it to us so we can hear it and obey it. No message is very close at hand. No, the message is very close at hand. Where is it at? It's on your lips. Listen to me. And where? In your heart. This message of choosing life and death, it's in your lips. It's in your mouth. It's what you say, it's the the words that you bring to bear in a situation. It's what you choose to say and it's what you choose not to say. When we think about the things of God and the scriptures of God and how those things come to bear in our lives, they come to bear through our lips, agreeing with what the scriptures have to say, agreeing with what God is trying to bring into our lives. And it's interesting that that's what it says here in the ability to choose life and death. It's on your lips and where else? It's in your heart. It's in your heart. Now listen... Today I'm giving you a choice between life and death. And it goes on to, 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 to bring acknowledgment to what does that mean? Between prosperity and disaster. Between prosperity and disaster. Our words have that kind of significant power. For I command you this day to love the Lord your God and to keep his commands, decrees, and regulations By walking how? In his ways. Just like Joshua told his people, silence your mouth, don't shout until the proper time. Because he knew that when the proper time to release the words came to pass, that as they were brought forth in power and unity, they were going to bring forth a result that was going to change a complete situation and the environment that they were in. Those words, those shouts, they were going to bring down walls that had protected an enemy and and bring God's people into a place where they can overcome that enemy. In our lips and in our hearts, when we choose to obey God, we have the opportunity to not only change our own situation, but to change the situation of people around us. If your hearts, in verse 17, turn away and you refuse to listen, if you are drawn away to serve and worship other gods, then I warn you now that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long a good life in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to occupy. Everybody say today. Verse 19, everybody say "Today." today. I have given you the choice between life and death. See, this is The beauty of the word of God. It's not just enough to give people the the, the opportunity to choose life or death. No, the Proverbs gives us the, the guide. It gives us the map. It gives us the way that we can have these things that God wants us to have by following the wisdom that he has given us. Listen... The idea of godly wisdom is something that we use that is totally counter to what our flesh is. Our flesh wants to do and say and be so many different things that's contrary to the prosperity that God wants us to have in our life. Why? Because our flesh demands only what's good for me. And see, when we live a life in the kingdom, when we choose life, that means we choose Jesus, the one who sacrificed everything about himself to bring us to the opportunities that we have today. It's never been about him in Jesus' life. It was always about what he could do and bring for other people today. I've given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. What choice are you going to make today with the information that you gained from, from the Proverbs? What will you do with that Message that says, watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut and you'll stay out of trouble. How will that save you in those times? You know, some people, they speak out loud. You know what I'm saying? They, they, their minds run and rapid and instead of just letting it settle and not say anything, you speak every time your mind has a thought. God doesn't want us to do that. Some of the things that are wrapped in our mind are for you and you alone to determine where your heart is in a situation. If you have a word that is destructive, that's a curse that you're speaking on other people's lives. And he says this day, choose between life and death, between blessings and curses. And what we speak out of our mouth signifies either a blessing or a curse to other people. You make the choice, oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make the choice to do this by loving your God and obeying him and committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. And if you love and obey the the Lord, you will live long in the land that, that the Lord swore to give your ancestors Abraham and Jacob. There is a place that God would have us to be, but in order to get there, we usually have to give up something. We usually have to to hold something. We usually have to die to something that's inside of us to get to that place where we get to live for God. Jesus' death, his burial, and his resurrection brought a life to all of us. When we die to those things that motivate us to uh, speak curses on other people's lives, there is a resurrection that comes inside of you. There's a power that comes inside of you. There's an acknowledgement. Now, when we go back to James chapter 3, we also see it says that uh, the tongue is, is, is small, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. Amen? How many of you have said something, and as soon as you saw those words leave, leave your lips, you wish you could grab them and put them right back into your mouth? Amen? Amen? Amen. <sighs> so many times. Usually for me, it's yelling at the TV set when I'm watching the Packers play or, ...or the Buckeyes play, you know, it's like I try so hard not to release those things out of my lips... ...and be out of control, an out-of-control sports fan. But it says, among the parts of the body, the tongue is like a flame of fire. It's a whole world of wickedness. Ah, Corrupting what? Your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire... For it is set on fire by hell itself. When you look at most forest fires, when they start, they usually just start with the negligence of one camper who leaves a a fire burning that's been unattended and they didn't put it out properly. And then one ember of that fire, just one ember, of what a family was gathering together just to have a great weekend together and not meaning to, not trying to be negligent. They didn't put the fire out in the proper uh, fashion. And one ember from a campfire starts an entire forest fire that will burn for weeks and destroy thousands of acres. And when we look at the power of the tongue, that's what the power of the tongue is. One word can be like an ember from that innocent campfire that starts a forest burning out of control and it takes weeks and hundreds of people who in the process, some lose their life even in putting out that fire. See, that's what our tongues are like. They've got the same power to do that kind of thing. How does that, how does that happen? But well, when we speak rumors and half-truths and grumblings and sarcastic remarks, hurtful things that are said in the heat of anger, all of these smoldering embers have the potential uh, for burning down acres of morale in your office. They have the power to, 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 to break down... Family unity and peace. All of these half-truths and rumors and grumblings and sarcastic remarks have the opportunity to bust the unity of the church. Tammy and I were driving in this morning and we were driving by so many places that still aren't meeting and I'm not here to judge any church who is not meeting. But we need each other. We need each other now more than ever in the past. And we need to know that everyone sitting next to you is the the person that God has chose to do something great for him. They have destiny, they have direction, they have purpose. And it's our job to encourage that destiny and purpose inside each person so that we can bring blessing and not curses. Do you know that so many times we look at the exterior of a person... ...and what we know about their past and we bring that in a judgmental sense... ...that sets forth what their future is in our mind? How many of you realize that whether it's your husband or your wife or or a common bond between church members, that that God is developing something in that person that is a destiny that they've had from the very beginning of time. Even uh, uh, before the earth was created, God had you in mind. And so it's so easy in our human nature to wrap everybody up in their past, look at the way they look or they dress or what they sound like or what they say and make a determination that their future is handcuffed by those things of their past. It destroys relationships. And God is looking us for To be a people that fosters not only forgiveness, but fruitfulness in other people's lives. And that only happens by the words that we speak to other people. Psalm 25, 9 and 10, and I'm telling you, or Proverbs, I mean, 25, 9 and 10. The Proverbs have so much to say about words and our life and our destiny. Psalm 20 or Proverbs 25, 9 and 10 says, when arguing with your neighbor, don't betray another person's secret. See, when we grow in the things of God, we grow in a place of covering people and not exposing them. And the proverb is saying here that when you argue with one neighbor, you know what another neighbor has to say about them. So instead of just you making this a one dimensional argument, you start dragging in other people behind you because you want to build an offense that has some teeth to it. That's destructive. What 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 is this argument worth not only ruining your relationship with this person but dragging others in besides it no it's not but see the solomon was wise he knows how this works in our human nature listen it says others may accuse you of gossip when you do this but you will never regain your good reputation now reputation might not mean a lot to many people anymore. But as we in the kingdom of God, we need to have a good reputation. We need to have a God reputation. And our reputation is built, people look at us differently when we are in the midst of the normal stuff that happens in life and we don't participate in the crazy, but every place that we are, we have a word of life that we speak to people. We have a word of life that can transform a situation. We say the things that Jesus said to us and we can bring life into other people. Just by the things that we say. Proverbs 12, 18 says this. Some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise, what? Bring what? Healing. That's what you are. See, when we walk in the the strength of the word of God, we're walking in God's wisdom. And every place that we walk, God would never speak something that would hurt or tear down somebody, would he? But no, see, our words, when we walk in to certain destinies and situations, some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise, they what? They bring healing. They bring healing to the situation. Now, one of the things that we talked about in in Deuteronomy, it talked about uh, the, the idea of the things that are on our lips, right? And what was the second one? The things that are where? In our heart, in our heart, if we're going to talk about uh, preparing to speak words of life to people, we've got to deal with the issues of the heart. The the problem with our words being out of control is, is because our hearts are not in the place that they need to be. And when we speak words, now I'm just going to I'm going to challenge you with this. When you speak words that are negative, that are condescending, that, are, uh, that, that bring people to a place that they're not being made whole or healed, what you're doing is you're revealing something in your heart. You're revealing something about yourself. When those things that are negatively spoken come out to bring hurt to somebody, it's not about them, it's about what is wrong with you and your heart. See, it's so easy to pick out the logs in other people's eye and point them out to somebody, but what about the log in your own eye? And see, when we, if we want to get to the place to where our, our destiny is the way God would have it to be, we have to make sure that we're speaking the things that would bring life to people. We, we just can't speak less or speak honestly or speak fittingly because the problem is deeper with that. We need a new heart. Turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15. You all with me today? If so, say amen. amen. Everybody stand. Everybody stand up. Yeah, seventh inning stretch. Hallelujah, hallelujah. If I knew all the words to take me out to the ball game, I'd probably sing it right now, hallelujah. Just do a little stretch, okay, sit down. Matthew chapter 15. Sometimes you just got to stretch out a little bit, I get it. Sometimes your buns are numb and you just got to move them around, hallelujah. Verse 10 says, then Jesus called to the crowd to come near or to come and hear, listen, he said, and try to understand. Okay, listen, that ought to be the way we start every sermon. And, And the pastor drew the congregation after worship, and he said, listen, and try to understand. Jesus is so smart, isn't he? It's not what goes in your mouth that defiles you. You are defiled by what? Say it with me, the words that come out of your mouth. The words that come out of your mouth. Then the disciples came to him and asked, Do you realize you offended the Pharisees by what you just said? And Jesus replied. How many of you realize that Luke 17 verse 1 says, I don't care how long you live in this life. If you live long enough, you're going to be offended. There's going to be an offense that comes your way. See, that's the way the enemy works. He wants you to be offended by me and me to be offended by you. And he wants us to be at arm's length. He wants us to act like we're we're believers together. We go to the same church. But he really wants to drive a wedge of dissension between believers. Amen? Would you agree with me? We can't let that happen. Jesus replied, Every plant not planted by my heavenly Father will be uprooted, so ignore them. They are blind guides leading the blind. And if one blind person guides another, they will both fall in a ditch. And then Peter said to Jesus, explain to us this parable that says people aren't defiled by what they eat. And verse 16 says, do you yet under, do, don't you yet understand, Jesus asked, anything that passes through the stomach and then, go, it, it then goes into the sewer. But the words you speak come From the heart, that's what defiles you. From the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. These are what defile you. Eating with unwashed hands will never defile you. Might keep a few germs away from you. But it's never going to be the thing that defiles you. See, what he's saying is there's so many superficial things that we do in life to make us appear to be something. But it's not what we appear to be. It's what's truly in there that makes the difference. From the heart come evil thoughts. I was uh, at Jack Hayford School of Pastoral Nurture, and he said one day I was sitting at my desk. I had worshiped the Lord, I had prayed, I was working on a sermon, and the most evil thought in the entire world that I would never have thought of my own came into my head at that time. And he said, wow, I had a choice to make. I could entertain it, I could allow it a place, I could build a room for it, But he said, I knew what the enemy had just placed in my mind was straight from the pits of hell. And I had to do something with it immediately and not allow it to gain traction in my life. See, our thought process is critical to what we allow into our hearts. See, once a thought is embraced in a negative sense and you make a room for it in your heart, it's going to come out one day. How's it going to come out? Through the words that you speak. And that's why we've got to, 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 to make our hearts only a place that allows God to have a position. Do you not understand yet? Anything that passes Through your stomach, that goes into the sewer. But the words you speak, they are the things that come out of your heart. And those are the things that defile you. Thoughts, murderous things. The real problem is in the hearts and minds of men. It's not a problem of physics or ethics. It's a problem of what's in the heart of men. And what we say reveals what's in our heart. So it's actually wise to take a step back and examine your words. The hardest thing to do when you're in the heat of something is to stop long enough to make sure what you're going to say is not going to add another log to the fire. See, it was just the small ember from a campfire that burned thousands of acres. How many things are you going to burn in somebody's life through the comments that you make? Nothing will reveal what's going on in your heart more than what comes out of your mouth. Turn with me, if you would, to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. You still all with me? A good tree can't produce bad fruit. That's good. That's good. A good tree can't produce... Can we just be simple here? And a bad tree can't produce good fruit. A tree is identified by its fruit. Figs are never never gathered from the thorn bushes. And grapes are not picked from the bramble bushes. A good person produces things from the treasury of a good heart. A good heart. What is in us that naturally defiles us? What is in us when we sit in an office situation watching somebody get promoted for a job that we would like to have that cannot enable us to go congratulate the person who did get promoted? See, there's something that's inherently tugging at the heart of who we are that demands something for us. I've made this statement a thousand times and I'll make it again today. When you have a success, you'll find one person that will come and be genuinely excited about your success. But when you have a failure, you'll have nine other people that will come and embrace you in the midst of that failure because that makes them feel a little more than you are. It's just a fact. It's human nature. We cannot operate our lives out of human nature. We have to operate our lives out of the precepts of the word of God. And when we do, there's something amazing that transpires. A good good person produces uh, things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what's in your heart. Listen, I have good news for you. And it comes out of the book of Ezekiel in the Old Testament. And this is why it's so important that we embrace everything about who God is, because when He embraces you, He wants to change you not from the outside, He loves what He created. In the morning, wake up and look at your goofy self and say, I know God loves this. Look at this. When I look in the mirror, I'm the most handsome Dwight that God ever created. This is perfect. This is the way God made me. When my mind's thinking of 43 different things in a day's time, I love it because that's the mind that God gave me. Some days I wish I could narrow it down and get some things done, but there's some days I don't get a thing done. Because I have 43 things on my mind and I embrace each one of them a little bit, but I love it. Because that's who God made me to be. Might drive some of you nuts, but I'm okay with that because I don't have to live for you, I live for God. You know what I mean? I mean, I don't mean that. I don't mean that in a negative or derogatory way. When you're on a worship team, you need to love the way the keyboard player plays, even if they don't play like you, because that's the expression of what God made them to be. And it's hard when you're in those situations. But when you love you for who God made you to be, it's so much easier to love everyone else. Now, in Ezekiel, got good news for you. In, in Ezekiel 11:19 19 and 20, it says, I will give them Singleness of heart and put a new spirit within them. Mm, Can we just stop right there? And just, I want you to close your eyes and just say, Father, thank you for this singleness of heart and this new spirit that you put in me. See, sometimes we, we miss this conception of when we embrace God, what He does for us. He gave you a new heart. He gave you uh, 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 a new spirit, and it says this. Oh, this is so good. uh, Honey, I'd almost like you to read this to me, okay? So it says that I will take away their thorny or their stony and stubborn heart. Mm. How many of y'all have a little stubbornness in you and a little thorniness? Hallelujah. Well, this is your time just to give it. Give it, give it, give it away. And, and accept what he wants to give you, a tender and responsive heart. So that they will obey my decrees and regulations. And then they will truly be my people and I will be their God. How exciting is that? That God transforms us from the inside out. He gives us a singleness of heart and a new spirit within us. If you'll give me seven more minutes. How many of you will give me seven minutes to finish this up today? Hallelujah. Listen to me. I want to encourage you. Because the Bible teaches us and tells us how that if we walk in the, the, the... uh, precepts of his word that we'll begin to say Proverbs ten eleven says this the words of the godly are a life-giving fountain say I want to be say I want to be a life-giving fountain the words of the godly are you godly are you gods yes then your words should be a life-giving fountain that's exciting Proverbs 12, 25, and you should put these on three by five index cards and put them on your bathroom mirror. So you see this every day. Proverbs 12, 25 says, worry weighs down a person. How many of you know that, that this is a time that many people are worrying? Would you agree with me? That's all you hear on television. This is a dark day. This is the dark winter. This is, oh my gosh, it's horrible. Baloney. Don't buy into that garbage. You know why? Because this is the day the Lord has made and I will rejoice and be glad in it. I reject that kind of talk and I'm not letting it into my heart. I'm not letting it find a place in my heart. If it's such a dark day, then you need to find one neighbor and bring sunshine to them. Amen? Yeah. Worry weighs down a person, but, but an encouraging word cheers up a person. When somebody is worrying, bring them. A, don't embrace their, their deal. Bring a good word to them. Tell them a scripture that will help them. The Bible in Matthew chapter 6 says says it in 6 and Philippians 4 that worry is not from God. Don't worry. And if worry is beginning to enter in, then you need to pray. There's an anecdote to worry. And in 6 it says, why do you worry about all of these things that you think you need when I am your provider? Don't bring a good word. Proverbs 16:24 says this. Kind words are like honey. They're sweet to the soul and healthy to the bones. I, I have a whole exercise of what you need to do to continue to bring positive affirmation into people's lives. And it boils down to this. And this will be my, my last thing that I say. I have four minutes left in the seven you gave me. James 1.19 is so amazing. It says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick. Let's read this together. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak... And slow to get angry. What does it say that we need to do first? Listening is the key to transforming what you say. Do you realize that so many times in our life, Our ears have heard so much garbage that we filter... ...especially your spouse or your children... ...we filter everything that's said through negative ears. But isn't it interesting... ...that how this scripture is lined out... ...that we need to be quick to listen. God gave us two ears, didn't He? That's because He wants us to go over it twice before we respond to it. You know why? Because if your response is going to be negative, then you need to check your heart. And do you know the greatest way to value somebody in your life is when they share something with you that could invoke that kind of emotional response to you, clarify what they just said. Because 9 out of 10 times... You heard something different than what they meant. I'm not kidding you. Try it with your spouse. Try it with your spouse. The next time you are getting into a situation that's getting heated with anybody, I want you to try this. And I guarantee you, 100% of the people that we have shared this with have agreed with us. It's happened. When somebody's sharing something with you, that could be something that's challenging you or something you don't agree with or whatever. As they are sharing what they're sharing, you have shut off your ears. Why? Because you're already thinking what your response is going to be. You're already defending yourself. That's not true and that's not this and so... Every time that you're in that kind of conversation, what comes out of your mouth is not respecting or clarifying what was said by the other person. It's sending another arrow through their heart. Slow down. You need to talk less. You need to listen more. And then you'll find out That what a spouse is sharing with you is something that is deep-seated in their heart. They just need you to understand it and not defend yourself, but affirm the way they feel. And then when you bring affirmation to somebody's thoughts, and then you hold their hand and pray with them, something begins to change. Something in your heart begins to change. I'll leave you with Proverbs 10:19. And would you stand with me? Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. Can everybody say amen with me? Amen. amen. Listen, this is, a, this is a great message. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna tell you, this is a good message. Because We live in a day when people need to hear the godly bring an encouraging word. Amen? We live in a day to where your children need to be told that they have an amazing destiny. Can I challenge you parents? Catch your children doing something good and build that moment. So often kids are just doing what they're doing because they're just trying to get your attention. Give them attention when they do something good and they'll probably start doing the good things over and over again. What a concept. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for this incredibly great day. I thank you that you are the light that shines into the darkness, that you are the joy that comes in the morning... I thank you that you are the one whose mercies are new every day. That we don't have to live in yesterday's quagmire because we have a clean and fresh slate in this day. Father, I pray... That marriages erase the whiteboards of their scorecards that they have kept for years to punish each other. And I pray, God, that they would make this a day of fruitfulness, forgiveness, and moving on into their future. Father, I thank you for this kingdom congregation that's gathered here encouraging each other today. May we walk in the fullness of our destiny. Father, as we pray this week, may we prepare for an amazing God encounter next week in this house. And so, Father, I just thank you with everything that's within me and help my words to be seasoned with grace and to be able to bring hope to the hopeless in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, let's give the Lord a praise offering today. He is worthy, hallelujah.